All right, Shabbos Sai, good morning, good morning. Let us begin, begin by thanking all of our sponsors for this morning. Sure, to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Cheshvan. Stephen Terry is in for dedicating all the Shurman Joshua's this month in memory of Steve's father, Bunim Tzvi Ben Chaim, Leah's soul as a schus for Shlema for her daughter, Ilana Bas Esther, and the schus for Shlema for all of those wounded in Eretz Yisrael. Yonasan and Rachel Wolf for a complete and lasting refuah for Rafal Yitzchak Baruch Ben Esther, Jerry and Sarah Walaski in the schus for Shlema for Zechariah Dove, Ben Peril Shira, Azuel and Iris Miller in the schus of the Holy Soldiers of the IDF, and the merit of our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael. A week of learning sponsors, Robert Imas, in honor of the art site of his mother, Rus Bas Sara, and appreciation of the entire Daf Yomi Shir. And a week of learning sponsors, anonymous sponsor, in honor of Yoni Frager's birthday. We're going to start saying that in unison, Amir Sashem, tomorrow. Hey, Yoni, happy birthday, Yoni. I may have the Shanim Tavos. To thank our Daf Yomi sponsor for today, Alan Wiseman. I remember Alan Wiseman. He has not, Baruch Hashem, is still in Eretz Yisrael for the celebration. In honor of the wedding of his grandson, Zechariah, to Brachi Brisk tonight in Bnei Brak, Mazel Tov, the young couple in Eretz Hashem should be gebenched and should be zochah to build the Ba'is Neman Yisrael, Ad Me'a Ve'esim Shanim Tovos. Again, we have Alan, Alan on Zoom today, Baruch Hashem, and it's, uh, it's wonderful, wonderful. Alan, we look forward to Eretz Hashem, Halavai, to joining you in Eretz Yisrael. All right, Tavos, so with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Ayin Gimel 73, and we are picking up on Ayin Beis on Day 72b. 72b. So, so if you remember, again, we left off yesterday, Tan uh, Rabbanon, which is 2, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11 lines up from the bottom. So remember, again, just to orient ourselves a little bit, we introduced the new sheet to the new position of the Chachamim yesterday, and the Chachamim hold that Halacha Lamaisa call Aratzos Becheskes Kashras Hin Omdos. Remember again, up until now we've been focusing with the model of Rabbi Meir, and the model of Rabbi Meir is the model of Rabbi Meir is that Halacha Lamaisa you have Bavel, which is highest theological purity. Underneath Bavel you have Eretz Yisrael, and then underneath Eretz Yisrael you have all other lands, all other lands. Chachamim say, no, there's a cheskes kashos. People have a cheskes kashos. People have a general presumption of genealogical fitness and purity, unless you know otherwise. Unless you know otherwise. So the Mara goes right to turn out on. Mamziri unesini tohorim la'asad lavo. This is Rabbi Yossi. It's an incredible Gemara. Rabbi Yossi says, Mamzirim and Mamzerim and Nesinim will be purified in the Messianic era. Now, I will say, there's a little bit of a machlok that's exactly what Rabbi Yossi is saying over here. Is he saying that even known Mamzerim and known Nesinim, like when Eliyahu and Ali comes, it's like genealogical amnesty. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever you are, whatever you are, like we're wiping the slate clean. Obviously, doesn't apply to Kohanim, Levim, you know, if you're a Kohen, you're a Levi, it's still going to be that when Mashiach comes. But the idea is if you have some type of genealogical blemish, when Mashiach comes, he goes ahead and he wipes the slate clean. Or the other possibility is that it's referring to those who are Mamzerim and Nesinim, but have kind of blended into general society. So when Mashiach comes, ultimately again, their slate is wiped clean. Rabbi Meir or Meir says, ain't to Horeb. No, not true. Not true. Genealogical issues are genealogical issues. Mashiach could do a lot, but but Lamaisa, but Lamaisa at the end of the day, those still remain. Amr Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi says, V'alokvar ne'emar v'zarakti alechem, ma'im torm utahartem. I, but the Pasuk says, referring to the Messianic era, I will sprinkle upon you 
pure waters and you will become purified. Does that not mean that Mashiach has the ability to purify everyone from everything, including genealogical issues? So to which Rabbi Meir will respond, no, no, no. Because that means we're going to be purified from our Tumah. In other words, from our iniquity, from our Averis, that that's a reference to Tshuva, cleansing of the spiritual slate, but Lamaisa, not from Amzerus, not from genealogical issues. When the Pasuk says again, I shall purify you, does that not mean even from Mamzerus? Is there a cleansing of Mamzerus in the Messianic era? So I was listening to this current Mayor, who holds that Mashiach does not go ahead and cleanse the slate from Mamzerus. So I will say, so the Pasik, so the Pasik of Vayashav Mamzer Ba'ashto, Pasik in Zechariah, referring to the Messianic era as well. So it says there will be a Mamzer in Ashtod, which clearly indicates that even in the Messianic era, there's Mamzerus. There's Mamzerus. El Rabbiosi, my Vayashav Mamzer Ba'ashtod. I, but according to Rabbi Meir, what do you do with that Pasik? What do you do with that Pasik? Rabbi Meir, who says that there's no Mamzerus. I'm sorry, just, just the opposite. What does Rabbi Yossi do at that Pasuk? As Rabbi Yosef explains it, the way, the way Rabbi Meir, sorry, the way Rabbi Yossi understands that Pasuk is as follows. That ultimately, again, he who was once treated as a mamzer, Lord, we'll say the mamzer, to a certain degree, is a little bit of an outcast, right? Because he can't marry into the general pool. So the way Rabbi Meir, the, the way the way Rabbi Yossi understands the pasuk is that he who used to be treated like a mamzer, I Klal Yisrael, who used to be relegated to the periphery, ultimately again now resides in Ashdod. Okay, I'm Rabbi Yehuda Meshmuel Halacha Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yehuda said, "Name Mishlada Halacha follows Rabbi Yossi, namely that Mamzerim Nesinim are Tahar in the Messianic era." I'm Rabbi Yosef. He loved Am Rabbi Yehuda. Am Rishmuel Halach Rabbi Yossi. Have a Asa Elio Mafik Minin Savrani Savrani Kolarin. Rabbi Yossi, you know, so listen to this. So, so Rabbi Yehuda says, right? Rabbi Yehuda says, had it not been, sorry. So so Rabbi Yosef says, had Rabbi Yehuda not said that Halach is like Rabbi Yossi, that Mashiach purifies purifies uh, Mamzerim, when Mashiach comes, he would have been leading out groups and groups of genealogically impure people. In other words, we'll say, if we, and essentially what the Gemara is saying is like this, if we don't subscribe to this idea of Rabbi Yossi, namely that Mashiach purifies in Mamzerim, it's trouble. It's trouble. This, this, this is the best thing for Klal Yisrael that could happen. When Mashiach comes, the genealogical kind of table is reset, is reset, Otherwise, Mashiach would be leading out throngs of genealogically unfit people. Okay. So, what's this? That's the end of that. How do we pass him? I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Amongst the many interesting things that we hope to observe when Mashiach comes, we'll have to see what exactly will happen with those who have these genealogical blemishes. Will they be cleansed? Right? And kind of like the genealogical table reset. Or at the end of the day, do their genealogical blemishes still remain to be determined in Mirza Hashem Bekarov? Says the Gemara Tanabaran, Ger no se mamzeras. Did Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi holds that a Ger, a convert, has the right to marry a mamzeras. Right? We'll, we'll see exactly 
We'll see exactly why that is. We'll say. By the way, the same the same thing would apply that a mamzer can marry a gioras. They're just they're just phrasing it. Remember again, these things work. Well, they don't always work in both ways, but this one happens. And the idea over here is that a, a mamzer is permitted to marry a ger, right? Whether ultimately again the mamzer is the man or the mamzer is the woman, right? They're permitted to marry a ger. Okay, that's those rabbis. Rabbi Omer ger lo says no, absolutely not true. A ger cannot marry a mamzeres. So the Gemara says, But whether a ger or an evan mushuch or an emancipated slave or a chalal are permitted to marry a kohanas. Remember again, a kohanas is a bas coin. Okay, so let's analyze this. So let's start first with the idea about a ger marrying a mamzeres. Why does Rabbi Yossi hold that that is permitted? So Rabbi Yossi says like this, Chamisha now both say, remember, when it comes to a mamzer, the operative pasik is loyovo mamzer bekal Hashem. A mamzer cannot enter into the assembly of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What does that mean that a mamzer can't enter into the assembly of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? What that means is that a mamzer is not permitted to marry into the general Jewish pool. But the way the Torah phrases it is kahal Hashem, the assembly of God. So the Gemara says something very interesting. Obviously says, the Torah says kal five times. Five times. In fact, again, if you take a look, if you take a look at the last Rashi, Rashi goes through all of them. They're not all by Mamzer. One of them is by Mamzer, and then others are by the other individuals who cannot marry into the general assembly of of Klal Yisrael. So watch this. So Hamisha Kalik Sivi says Kal five times. Top of Ayin Gimel seventy three A. So Chad LeKohanim. So one is to tell you that Mamzerim can't marry Kohanim. V'Chad Levim. One is to say that, that, that Mamzer can't marry a Levi. V'Chad LeYisraelim. One is to teach me ultimately I can't marry Yisraelim. V'Chad LeMishri Mamzer Bishtuki. One is to permit, ultimately, again, the mamzer to marry a shtuki. Remember, again, we'll say, who's the shtuki? The shtuki is the person who knows his mother, but doesn't know his father. And one is to permit a general Yisrael to marry a shtuki as well. Okay, so we'll say, what's the logic over here? So, so bottom line, bottom line, why is it that Rabbi Yossi allows the marriage between a ger and a mamzer? Very simply, kal gerim lo ikri kal. We'll say, gerim... Are, are not, there, there's no, Kal Yisrael essentially means those who are born Jewish. That's the technical legal definition. Someone who converted is just technically not under that umbrella of Kal. I'll say just, just to be clear. So remember again, going back, we, we know how much the Torah loves the Ger, right? How much Cheshbarchu loves the Ger. That's why, again, as we saw in Tosis, right? Kashem Ger in the Yisrael means we are so obligated to treat the Ger with so much sensitivity. That no one can ever live up to this expectation. So, so just to be clear, when we say that Kal Gerim is not Kal, we're not Chas Hashem excluding the Ger from the assembly of Kal Yisrael. This is a technical issue. When the Torah says, Lo Yavo Mamzer Bekahal Hashem, Rabbi Yossi ultimately says, Kahal means those who are born Jewish. It doesn't mean those who convert. As such, the Ger is permitted to go ahead and marry, or the Mamzer is permitted to marry the Ger. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda disagrees. What does Rabbi Huda say? Rabbi Huda, Kohanim Ulevim Mechad Kal Nafke. Rabbi Huda says, Kohanim and Levim are learned out from one Kal. So, Ayeser Le Kal Gerim. He has one Kal left over, so to speak. And with that, he understands that the that Gerim are called a Kahal. If Gerim are called a Kahal, then what? 
then a mamzer is not permitted to go ahead and marry a ger. So I will say, so first explanation that you understands over here is Machlok is Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Huda. Is a mamzer permitted to marry a ger? Fundamentally rooted in whether or not the gerim are called a kahal or not. According to Rabbi Yossi, they are not. Therefore, again, a mamzer can marry them. According to Rabbi Huda, they are, and therefore a mamzer can't marry them. Good. You might say the other possibility is hachinami trei kali ninu. So we'll say the other possibility is no, no, no. We use both kals. So mamzer bishtuki, yushtuki biyisom echad kam nafka. But you could condense or consolidate some of the limudim, some of the drushas. And ultimately, again, mamzer marrying a shtuki and a shtuki marrying a Yisrael, you can learn from one kal. Okay, lo yavo mamzer bekal Hashem. So, Baruch said, furthermore, again, there's another interpretation when it says a mamzer cannot marry into the kal Hashem. Mamzer vaday huda lo yavo ha mamzer safek yavo. Now, Baruch say this is very important. The prohibition of a mamzer to marry into kal Hashem, to marry into the general assembly, is only a mamzer vaday. Mamzer vaday. There is no such thing in halacha as a safek mamzer. Very interesting, right? You would have thought Suffolk Mamzer, Suffolk Da'oraisa Khumra. Doubt in biblical law, we resolve it stringently. There's no such thing as Suffolk Mamzer in, in Halacha. So the Torah says, Yavo Mamzer Bekalashem. Mamzer means Mamzer Vadai. If you're not a Mamzer Vadai, then what are you? Then what are you? Regular guy. Right? Regular guy. So Halacha Lamaisa only plays Mamzer Vadai. Pekal Vadai Hudaloyava. Furthermore, furthermore, the Mamzer can't marry into the Kal Vadai. Who could, but who can he marry? But he can marry into the Kal Safek. Who's the Kal Safek? That's the Shtuki. That's the Asufi. Right? These are the individuals. We'll talk about them in just a little bit. Whose, who's again, whose who's genealogy is not totally known. So the other possibility is, No, these also are considered to be two distinct Kals. So Rabbi Huda, who says that a ger cannot marry a mamzer, he learns that from the following. So that's, that's Rabbi Huda ultimately again derives, derives his loss, he derives his drashal. Rabbi Yossi, Hifsika inyan. He understands that the phrase chuka achos ultimately again divides the subject matter. Echad ger ve'echad ever mishusrobos says, okay, so that's that's our that's our first part over here. That halacha lemaisa fundament machlokes can a ger marry a mamzeres or not? Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Yehuda saying no. Rabbi Yossi saying yes. Rabbi Yossi, at the end of the day, we're going to see the fundamental the fundamental machlokes is really rooted in the first interpretation. Do we call Kal Gerim a Kal or not? Is the community of Gerim called a Kal? Called a Kal. So again, if it is, then a Mamzer cannot marry a Ger. If it's not, then a Mamzer can marry a Ger. That's the fundamental Lachol. Just hold on to it, Amir Hashem. We'll come back to that Lachol in just a moment. So I will say, so, so let's go weiter. Let's go weiter. So first of all, let me just tell you, we do Paskin that a Ger is permitted to marry a Mamzeres or a Mamzer a Gioris. Now, remember, the marriage is permitted, but what doesn't that marriage prevent? What doesn't it prevent? The transmission of mamzeros. So in other words, they are permitted to marry. Right? So a ger is permitted to marry mamzeros, mamzeros mamzer is permitted to marry gioras. But remember, their offspring will be a mamzer. Will be a mamzer. So the marriage is permitted, but ultimately, again, no different, by the way, than if two mamzeros marry each other, permitted marriage, permitted marriage. But again, the mamzeros is still transmitted. Right? We saw both say, the only way to stop the transmission 
of Mamzerus. Remember again, the only way to stop the transition of Mamzerus? Steal. Be sold into servitude. Right? Go ahead and marry a shifcha. Marry a shifcha. Have kids with her. Right? She could be freed afterwards. And then ultimately, again, those kids are not Mamzerus. Right? So that, that, that's the one way you could stop the transmission of Mamzerus. Otherwise, again, even in permitted marriage, the genealogical blemish is still passed down. Let's go back Remember again, second thing the Brazil spoke about was a ger, convert. Evan Meshukhar, emancipated slave, who is effectively a convert as well. Chalal, who's a chalal, who's a chalal? Offspring of a forbidden Kohanic union. For example, Cohen goes ahead and marries a Grusha, marries a divorcee. They have a child, that kid is a chalal. All of these men, Mutar and Bakohanes, are permitted to marry a Baskoin. Baskoin, totally permitted. So the Lord supports Rav. Rav holds, Rav holds in Halach Alamaisa, women, right, women who are Ksheros. Are, don't have a problem, it's not a problem for them to marry men who are genealogically blemished. Not a problem. Not a problem. So okay, so now let's go back for just a second. Great story here. So Darshan and that a ger is permitted to marry a Mamzeras. Okay. What happened? What was what was the response? Rigamuhu Kuli Everyone pelted him with their estrogim. With their estrogim. So it must have been Sukkis time. Right? And ultimately, again, they pelt him. Now, Rabbi Say, take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, four lines off from where Rashi gets wide. Regamu kule ama, shahayusham gerim harbei, vohok shalahem shamar kal gerim lo ikre kal. So Rabbi Say, they were offended. They were offended. Apparently, again, there were a lot of gerim in Mechuzah. Rabbi Say, now Avi says, we saw before, what's the logic of saying that a ger is permitted to marry a mamzers? What's the logic? The logic is, that Gerim are not called Kahal Yisrael. Kahal Yisrael. So we'll say, if you just say that without explaining that it's not, it's not chas v'shalom, it's not an expression of a lack of love, but rather it's just a technical, legal, mechanistic term, it's offensive. So they got offended. They got offended. What did they do when they got offended? They pelted him. They pelted Rabbi Zerah, Teres Rogim. Amar Rava, Rava says, Mi ika de darash mil sekiha. So Rav says, come on, man. Right? It's not an exact quote, but come on. Right? A little sensitivity. Right? A little sensitivity. Right? You have to understand who your audience is. You have to understand who you're talking to. If you're going, there's a way to give over this halacha, but just understand that there are many gerim in the audience, and you have to be sensitive about how you're giving it over. So Rava, Rava also gave a share in Mechuzah. And what did he say? Ger Mutter Bakohanes. He said that a ger is permitted to marry a Kohanes, right? A, f- a male ger is permitted to marry a Baskoin. So Ta'anu Bashirai, they showered him with silk. So meaning they were very happy, very appreciative. Why? Because was say he built those people say at the end of the day, people people just want to feel valued. People want to feel valued. So ultimately, again, when, when Rabbi Zira comes in and says a ger can marry a mamzeras, they just felt they just felt unappreciated. They felt marginalized, peripheralized, and they responded, "Okay, we're not we're not to be clear, we're not condoning the response in general. Don't pelt anyone with your estrog." 
But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, it's understandable. They were, they were offended. Rava comes along and says, You can marry Kohanis. They felt wonderful. Now watch this. Hadadarsh Lu Ger, Then afterwards, Rava said, By the way, a Ger is permitted to marry Mamzeres. Amrule, Avsirita Likamaisa. They said to Rava, They said to Rava, you totally undone the good that you did before. In other words, you made us feel so good with saying that a ger can marry Kohanes, and then I both say, and now what happens? You totally undid that by telling us that a ger can marry Mizrach. So I both say, what's interesting? When Rava went ahead and said the same halacha, what didn't they do? What didn't they do? Pelted with the Esrogim. Why not? Why not? Because there was a relationship. Because there was an understanding. You see, I both say, when you establish relationship with people, you're able to sometimes have difficult conversations. When there's no relationship and there's no feeling of being valued, then something, then something, when you say something offensive, then at the end of the day, by definition, it hurts and it often evokes a very visceral and negative relationship. Masha'in came when there is relationship, right? When there's relationship. So here, what did Rava do? Rava, very smart. Rava established relationship. How did he establish relationship? In a very basic way, he said, a ger can marry a kohanes. What did he establish through that statement? What did he establish? You're valued. You're important. Okay. Now you're valued, you're important. By the way, a ger can marry my It's like, oh, right? Like, uh, right? You're just like, but at least there's no estrogen flying. Why? Because since Rava established relationship, we can say the difficult things. It doesn't mean it's not going to sting. It doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, there's a basis, right? There's a foundation in order to be able to have this conversation. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Amadahu. So Rava said, no, 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 you don't know what I did for you. The Tav Lecho Avdi, I actually did you a favor, Mamzerim, right? People in Mechuzah, right? Ibai Mehacha Nasif, Ibai Mehacha Nasif. We'll say the Mamzer actually says Rava is in a very unique spot, right? In a very unique spot. That ultimate, sorry, not Mamzer, the Ger, is in a very unique spot. How so? If the Ger wants to marry, right, a Kohanes, the Ger has the ability to do so. If a Ger wants to go ahead and marry the Mamzeras, the Ger has the ability to do so. We'll say, no one, no one really could move so fluidly within the different shades of Kalal Yisrael as the Mamzer. And I will say, if you think about it, there's a profound, there's a profound like hashkafic piece. And so, so before I get to that, so, so Rav was saying, understand what I just did for you. You can go to either extreme. You can marry the Kohanes or you can marry the Mamzer. No one else, no one else in Kalal Yisrael has that marital fluidity or that marital flexibility, like you, Gerim, do. So let's say, if you think about it, even from a Hashkafic level, let's say, what is incredible about the Ger, right? Think about this in just a moment. What does the Ger teach us in the most dramatic and overwhelming way? That change is possible. That change is possible, right? Who is the Ger? The Ger takes a personality that looks like X and just totally, fundamentally changes it into something dramatically different. The Ger is the most evolutionary species that exists within the universe. Right? The Ger says you can be born one way, live one way, and then just decide that you want to be someone fundamentally different, and you could do it. And you could do it. So perhaps, again, that's even manifest in Halacha as well, that the Ger is kind of able to go to different pockets in Cloud Yisrael and be able to fit in. So the Ger can marry the Mamzer, the Ger can marry the Kohanes, and it works. Why? Because ultimately, again, when you establish within yourself that, that fluidity of personality, right, that fluidity of identity, that you could go ahead and literally change yourself so profoundly and fundamentally and cathartically, 
that allows you to travel in different pockets of Kalal Yisrael as well. Something to be learned. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's another pshat ultimately again in Kashi Geirim Yisrael. But say, you know why, Kashi, you know why Geirim are so difficult for Kalal Yisrael? Because the Ger is a little bit of an indictment for the rest of us. Why? Because the rest of us, you know, we like to speak about change. We like to speak about change. But you know, change is one of those things where we talk about it, and then inside, right? I'm changing, I'm changing, I'm changing. And then what's the voice inside of me? What's the voice inside of me? I'm not changing anything. Right, this is it. This, this, this is it, right? This is it. You know, I, I, could, I could, you know, maybe make some cosmetic stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm not changing. And I both say, this is where Gerim are difficult for us. Why? Because the Ger comes along. And what does the Ger show the world? The Ger shows the world that not only is change possible, but dramatic change is possible. And the Ger did it, and he's living a different life. And meanwhile, I can't seem to get out of my own way. Perhaps that's just another dimension in Kashim Gerim Yisrael. In any event, so Rava goes ahead and says to the people, I'm doing you a favor. Hilchusa. Rava says, what's the Okay, I gave it to you a bit early. Hilchusa. So at the end of the day, the halach is that a ger is permitted to marry Kohanes, or Baskoi, and he is permitted to marry Mamzeres. He's permitted to marry the Kohanes. Because we will say again, at the end of the day, a Baskoin is not prohibited from marrying someone who is geologically blemished. And ultimately, again, Mamzeres Kerebiosi. And he's permitted to marry Mamzeres, like Rabbi Yossi, namely, that Kal Gerim lo ikri Kal. And that indeed is Dalacha. So again, the Ger being very unique, can marry the Mamzeres, can marry the Kohanes. Incredible. So Elo and Shtuki, so we'll say, now we're going to go through the rest of the list of the genealogical issues. So remember again, next, who do we have? Shtuki. So we'll say, who's the Shtuki? Shtuki is the individual, ultimately, again, who knows his mother, but does not know his father. But does not know his father. So remember again, I will say, when it came to the Shtuki, when it came to the Shtuki, Sa'aloch HaLamaisa again, so fine. Um, okay, Shtuki Vasufi Kula Mutarn Lavo Zebaza. So I will say, the Shtukim and the Asufim, Mamzer Nisini, all of those individuals are permitted to marry into each other. So I'm Rav, Dvar Torah, Shtuki Kasher. So Rav says, Midaraisa Shtuki is totally, is, is geologically fit. Genealogically fit. So my time, what's the reason for that? So I'll say, now remember again, the Shtuki, we don't know who the father is, we know the mother is. Rov Kshirim Esla, Umir Psum Esla. Because I will say, remember again, his mother, obviously again, had relations with a man, right? So in other words, the Shtuki has a father. So if you look at the majority of men in the world with whom she could have had relations, they are Kshirim. There'd be people there who are genealogically fit. There is some Miyot, but I will say, there's also another possibility that's what? What's, what's, the, what's the other possibility? That who's the Shtuki's father? A mamzer, right? But that's a miyot, right? The majority of the world are not mamzerim, right? The majority, so the majority of the world are ksherim. It's, it's a good way to also remember to always like look at humanity, right? The majority of the world are ksherim, even though sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but that, that is the truth. The majority of the world are ksherim. The minority are mamzerim. Are mamzerim, the Gemara says. So therefore, again, umil psul so ultimately, again, if if ultimately again the man came to have relations with the woman, then called the parish be ruba parish. 
And once we have a principle, we have a principle that, that ultimately, again, whatever the man is coming from the rove. So the Gemara says, my arm, so what do you have to be concerned about? Maybe ultimately, again, she's going to the man to have relations. Let me just illustrate to this to you quickly. We've seen this concept before. If you have nine stores that sell kosher meat and one store that sells non-kosher meat, so I will say, you find a piece of meat in the street. What's the halacha? What's the halacha? Kosher. Why? Called the parish miruba parish. Because we assume that whatever, whatever separated, so to speak, from the stores came from the majority, it's kosher. What if you go into a store to buy a piece of meat and you don't remember, did you go into the kosher store or the non-kosher store? So we'll say, that's a different, that's kol kavua. If you go to the place of kvios, a fixed place, then that's kmechza mechza. Ultimately, again, that creates it like a 50-50 situation, in which case the piece of meat would be asr. Again, without, we're not getting into the technicalities over here of that, or, or, or the logic behind that, that's just halacha. So the Yibar says like this, if the man came to her, the mother of the Shtuki to have relations. Then we say, call the parish, parish, whoever comes, right? Whoever, come, whoever, whoever comes to her comes from the rove. The rove of people ultimately again are sharing. What do you have to be concerned about? Maybe she went to the man to have relations. Then that's a case of call kavua. She went to the, the fixed place, so to speak. Mechzal, mechzal. Then it's a 50-50 situation. Maybe he's a mom, maybe he's a apostle, maybe he's not. So the Gemara says, maybe that's your concern. To which the Gemara says, "Vatora Amra lo yavo mamzer mamzer vadehu de lo yavo ha mamzer safek yavo." So Rabbi said, "It's very important." This is good. What we saw before. So it's a good kasha. So why isn't the Shtuki at least a safek mamzer? Right? Rabbi said, "Remember again, we don't know who the Shtuki's father is. That's the Olchab. So why isn't he at least a safek mamzer?" And Rabbi said, "What's the answer to that? What's the answer? There is no such thing as safek mamzer." Right? Either you're a mamzer or you're not a mamzer. Right? There's, in halacha, there's no category of suffix mamzer. Lo yavo mamzer bekal Hashem means you're only a mamzer if you are a vaday mamzer. Said most, the shtuki is a suffix mamzer, and there's no such thing as suffix mamzer in halacha. Furthermore, again, bekal vaday hudal yavo, and furthermore, again, just this has nothing to do with our, this has nothing to do with our gemara. It's just all part of the same drasha. The mamzer cannot come into the kal vaday. Right, but but habakal suffik yavo, but ultimately again he can't come into the kal suffik. Okay, umatam amru shtuki pasul. So I'll say if that's the case, so why is the shtuki genealogically blemished? In other words, if at the end of the day, and most what you've got with the shtuki is, and most what you've got with him is a suffik mamzer, but there's no such thing as suffik mamzer. So then why is he why is he considered to be genealogically blemished? Listen to this. So aviv. Interesting, well, so what are we concerned about? Because we don't know who the Shtuki's father is, what do we have to be concerned about? That maybe when he goes and he meets a nice young lady, maybe her father is his father. We don't know. So as Elmeata, if that's the case, Shtuki, Shtuki is Loisa, then one Shtuki, right, a male Shtuki, shouldn't be able to marry a female Shtukis. Right, why? Why? Maybe they have the same father. So the Gemara Shema Yisa Chosom Me'aviv. So the Gemara says, one second. Kal Kihani Mezanev Azli Bashtukis. I don't understand. Do we assume that what that some one guy decided that his life mission is to become the father of Shtukim? Right again, you know everybody needs a hobby, right? So like, like right, that's it, right? This is it, right? This, this, this we assume like it's the same guy who's just impregnating women all over the place. Like is that is is, is that like a reasonable concern to which the Gemara says, Ella? 
Ashtuki can marry Ashtukis. Why? Because we said the statistical probability that they have the same father is, is, is totally remote. Well, if you're going to say that by a shtukis, or both say, then you should say that by anyone. In other words, what is the probability that when the shtuki meets a regular Jewish girl, that they have the same father? They have the same father. To which it's not shriach. You're right. You're right. I will say, at the end of the day, the Gemara says, the reason why a shtuki, the reason why a shtuki is considered to be genealogically blemished, I will say, is just in order to up, uphold a higher standard by by Yuchsin, by Yuchsin. As Rabbi said, this goes back to our previous discussion, which is that halacha la maintaining some semblance of genealogical continuity, or I should say, some heightened, a heightened genealogical, is necessary for the existential continuity of Kal Yisrael. Right. So, therefore, again, what Chazal said is, if you don't know who your father is, you don't know who your father is. That 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 creates a genealogical issue. It can limit the people you can marry. Why? It's just an extra stringency to go ahead and uphold genealogical purity. That's all. Right? Gene, gene, a sense of genealogical continuity. I shouldn't call it genealogical, genealogical continuity. Okay, but Amar Rava. Rava says similarly again, Asufi. Asufi Kasher. We'll say, who's the Asufi? The Asufi is, we don't know either of the parents, right? The Asufi is a child who is abandoned, who is abandoned and then raised by other parents. Right? An adopted child who does not know his genealogical parents. So, so Rava says, Midaraisa, an Asufi is totally kosher. My time, I will say, what's the logic? Eishes ishpe bailatola. So, I will say, because remember again, why? So, I will say, here's what's interesting is the Yerush trying to understand why does someone abandon a child? Why does someone abandon a child? So, I will say, obviously, that's a complex question on a variety of levels. We're going to get into this a little bit. I will say, it can't, so you think to yourself, maybe it's a woman who, who, who committed adultery and became pregnant through her adulterer. That can't be it, because it was that she could just as easily attribute that baby to her, to, her, to, her, to her husband, right? She's married, so she could just as easily say that she's pregnant from her husband, right? So my eco, what are you worried about? My eco, miut arusos, miut shahalach, sayam. So I will say, what you, what you do have over here, what you do have over here, is that halach either a girl, either a woman who's in arusa, in which case, if she becomes pregnant, again, that's a bit of an issue because she's not yet living with her husband or a woman whose husband is overseas. And therefore, again, if she becomes pregnant, obviously it's not from her husband. So, okay, so you have those two women. Now, remember again, those children will be mamzerim. So, essentially, what we're trying to figure out is when you find an Asufi, why don't we assume that that kid is a mamzer? Right? So I will say, so on one hand, maybe there is grounds to say he's a mamzer because maybe his mother was in Arusa with Arusin to someone else, became pregnant from another man and abandoned the child who's a mamzer. Or maybe it's a married woman whose husband is overseas. She committed adultery. She gives up the baby. Also mamzer. But there are other cases. What are the other cases? The other cases is Pinuya. You could have a girl who just conceived out of wedlock and again is, doesn't want to raise the child and therefore abandons him. Or, right, famine. Famine, years of famine, a couple, maybe just a totally legitimate couple, feels they cannot go ahead and support this child. Again, 
abandons the child. So therefore, have palga o palga. Sir Rabbi what you see over here is that when you find this Sasufi, when you find this child in the shuk, in the marketplace, abandoned, there's competing narratives. Could the child be a mamzer? Could the child be a mamzer? Is it possible? Yeah, absolutely. But there's also other possible explanations over here. So Rabbi so therefore again, what does that make it? What does that make it at most? Suffolk mamzer. And what's the halacha by Suffolk mamzer, Rabbi say? What's the halacha by Suffolk mamzer? So what you see over here is, is what Rav is saying is that really Meikra Din, an Asufi is totally and wholly genealogically kosher. Right? Why? Because the most you have when it comes to an Asufi is Suffolk Mamzer. But again, that's not really a problem because there's no such thing in Halacha as Suffolk Mamzer. I, so what's the issue? So what is the issue by Asufi? And why does the Asufi have some level of genealogical issues? To which the Gemara Sumatam Amru Asufi Pasal, Shema Yisa Achoso Me'aviv. And we'll say, what are we concerned about? We're concerned that maybe the Asufi will ultimately marry his paternal sister. And we'll say, the Asufi doesn't know his father. So maybe one day he's going to meet a nice young lady, and it turns out they have the same father. Ella me'ata sufi asufis la'isa shame yisa chosu be me'ava be me'imo. I will say, but one second, I'll tell you even better. If that's the case, the asufi shouldn't really be able to marry anyone, because I will say why. At least the shtuki, right? At least the shtuki, he at least knows what. He at least knows what. Who his mother is, right? So the shtuki at least knows his mother. So okay, so the mo- the asufi doesn't know either parent. Say so even one Asufi shouldn't be able to marry another Asufi. Why? Because maybe you meet someone else. Maybe they literally have the same parents. To which the Gemara says, that doesn't make sense. Kohani Shadi Va'azli. Right? The Gemara says, Kohani Shadi Asufi. So again, do we assume that once people abandon one child, they keep in abandoning other children? So the Gemara says, Bas Asufi lo Yisa, Shame Yisacho. So, Ela lo Shriach. Rather, Rabbi say, you have to say is, come on, what's the probability that when an Asufi meets, meets an Asufis, that they have the same parents. That's not shchiach, right? That's not, that's, that doesn't make sense. Hachanami, lo shchiach. So I can make that same argument by any, by any case. Whenever he meets someone, what's the statistical probability that they share the same parent? Ella, maila asabiyuchsin. Shabbosi, you see, it's the same answer, both by the shtuki and by the asufi. Shabbosi, let's kind of bring this together over here. Salochalamaisi, here's what we have. The shtuki, he knows his mother doesn't know his father. Asufi doesn't know either parent. Rava tells us that Midga Oraisa, these individuals are 100% genealogically fit. Right? What's the concern? Because we all say at most, what's the concern both by the Shtuki and the Asufi? What's the concern? <laughs> Suffolk Mamzer. And again, what, what do we say by Suffolk Mamzer? No such thing as Suffolk Mamzer. Lo Yavo Mamzer Bekal Hashem, only Mamzer Vadai, not a Mamzer Suffolk. So therefore, again, there's no Mamzerus. There's no Mamzerus. Ultimately, again, when it comes to the Shtuki or the Asufi. So therefore, I both say, so what's the issue? So then why, why are they considered the genealogically blemished? Maila Asubi Yuchsin. Essentially, it's a Chumrah by genealogy. By the genealogy, we're just very Mahmir, right? Again, in order to maintain some level of genealogical continuity and purity, and therefore, again, because the paternity of these individuals is not 100% known, Therefore, again, they are relegated to a different status. Again, I will say, it's not discriminatory. And it's not, again, I will say, and it's not elitist. It's, again, in order, it was what I was talking about by, by conversions as well, right? You can't, you have to have 
a system. If you don't have a system and you don't strive for genealogical fitness for some semblance of order, you see this, you see this with other streams in Judaism that are not careful, that are not necessarily careful with maintaining some semblance. It just, even though it could start with the most beautiful of intentions and desires for inclusiveness, what it does is just fundamentally the fabric unravels. The fabric unravels until at a certain point you just don't have a sense of national identity. You don't know who's in, who's not in, who's Jewish, who's not Jewish. So it sounds a little bit elitist. And it might even sound a little bit discriminatory, but that's not chas v'shalom it at all. It's just sometimes obviously you have to do certain things to ensure the existential continuity of the klal. Incredible. So the Gemara goes back to Amrava. We'll say last line. So now we'll say now interest, some interesting cases are about the Asufi. So remember, all these cases, the Asufi is most fascinating because the Asufi is the abandoned child. Right, the Asufi is the abandoned child. So watch Amarava Barafuna. Matzah Mahol. We'll say, let's say you find an Asufi in the Shuk. Right? You find an abandoned child in the Shuk, bless you. And he's circumcised. He has a brismila. Amid Beis. Ain't Bomishum Asufi. Ultimately, we'll say he's not an Asufi. Now, we'll say, now what does it mean he's not an Asufi? Now remember again, the Asufi, the Asufi has certain limitations as to who he's allowed to marry. Right, because the, 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 the whole issue of paternity and the whole issue of yichos is not worked out. Interestingly enough, if you find the baby circumcised, he's not an asufi. Why not? Well, he doesn't have the status of an asufi. Rashi says over here. Yeah. Um, now, I will say. By the way, just so you should understand. What does it mean when you say? Well, let, let's finish. Why isn't he an asufi? Look at Rashi. Top Rashi. I'm going to base seventy three B. Di if the baby wasn't kosher, the parents would not have taken the time, or someone would not have taken the time to circumcise the child. And as I was saying, here's what's interesting. The Asufi, at the end of the day, has this suffix status, right? Now again, not a mamzer, because there's no such thing as suffix mamzer, but a suffix status. Now, I was saying, now understand, what is, it, what, is, what is the ramification of being an Asufi? Halakh ramification, really, at the end of the day, when we say you're an Asufi, what does that mean? So practically what it means is, you're allowed to marry a mamzer. But that, that, that is what it means. Why? The Rambam says, he says, um, actually, let, let me hold on to this right now. Let, let's, let's leave this for just a second before we get to the Rambam. So I will say, and scratch that what I just about marrying a mamzer, we're not up to that yet. Leave that out, leave that out right now. The idea is that the being, being in a Sufi is a genealogical status. Right, which is going to limit ultimately in certain respects who your marriage pool is. So the Gemara is pointing out over here that the concept of an Asufi, the concept of an Asufi, is we are always concerned about a suffix of genealogical unfitness. Unfitness, is that a word? Unfitness, yeah. Genealogical blemish. What the Gemara points out over here is if you see that the baby is looked after, that is indicative of the fact that someone cared enough to take care of the baby. If someone cared enough to take care of the baby, the Gemara understands to be actually a testament to genealogical fitness, interestingly enough. So if the baby is found circumcised, that shows genealogical fitness. We'll say, Rashi says, if the limbs are straightened out. So we'll say often what they would do is, 
after the baby was born, sometimes the limbs get a little bit destroyed. At least in Talmudic times, what they would do is they would straighten out the limbs. It sounds like what they would do is they would swaddle the baby, swaddle the baby tightly, like with the limbs extended, so as to straighten out the limbs. So if you see a baby swaddled like that, that means that what? Someone took the time to take care of this baby. Next. So the says, Shayef Mishra, you find the baby smeared with oil. Malakuchla, or ultimately, again, with some eye makeup. Apparently, again, you know, some people pierce the ears of right, little girls, other people put some eye makeup, right? So apparently, if you put eye makeup, these are all demonstrative that someone took care of this baby. If someone took care of this baby, then Lamaisa, again, it means it's not an Asufi. So the says, Rami Khumri, ultimately, again, if they tie like a little spice packet around the baby's neck, Tali Piska, or a little piece of paper like an amulet, Tali Kima, an actual amulet, not in writing, Einbo Mishum Asufi. And we'll say in all of these cases, Halacha the baby doesn't have the status of an Asufi. Now, what's the logic? Take a look at Rashi, Einbo Mishum Asufi, the Pasal Hava. See, I will say, the assumption is that if the baby was genealogically unfit, Lo Hava Metaknele, Hoil Vedaita Lahashlicha. So here's what's interesting. So if, in other words, if you, the, the, the typical case of a shtuki essentially is an abandoned baby who's not cared for. That's the concern that maybe this baby is genealogically unfit and it was cast away because of this genealogical unfitness. But if you go ahead and you find the baby who is cared for, who is looked after, again, in, all, in, in one of these aforementioned ways, and that is indicative that the baby comes actually from a kosher union, but was cast away for different reasons. What are the reasons, or also what other reasons? So most notably, finances. A family could not afford to take care of this baby. But what did they ensure happened? The baby was circumcised, the baby was looked after, the baby was, 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 uh, was wrapped up, was straightened out, was smeared with oil, whatever it is, it's very interesting. So if the baby is clearly looked after, that is indicative that it does not have the, the, the Asufi status. Incredible. So Mark gives other examples of this. Tali Bidikla, Dikli, what if you find the baby's basket hanging on a palm tree? So if the basket is hanging low enough that an animal, a predatory animal, could get the baby, then that's an Asufi. In other words, that's clearer than then the, the, the parents put. In other words, we'll say, the idea is an Asufi is when there's some element of disregard for the child, right? But so if, if the basket is hanging from the tree and a predatory animal can get that means whoever put the baby there didn't care enough about the welfare of the child. In love, but if the basket is placed in a secure enough way that a predatory animal cannot get it, then if the baby is placed on a sorb tree, smicha lamasa, if it's near the sea, then it's an asufi. In love, and if not, we'll say, Remember, this goes back to Masechah's brachas. So whatever the reason, shadim, shadim are often found around the sorb tree that is close to the city. And apparently, like, everyone knew this. So if you place the baby on a sorb tree next to the city, you're placing the baby in mortal danger. That's indicative of an asufi. So again, both say, the idea being, well, let's go to other examples. If someone leaves a baby in a shul, that is next to the city. And people are found there. There's no issue of a Sufi there. I will say, why not? Why not? Because you know the baby is going to be found. They're in love. And, but again, if you, let's say you leave the baby by a more remote shul where people don't necessarily frequent as much. Then I will say there's an Asufi issue. So I will say, again, you begin to see, you begin to see what's the pattern. 
if the baby is abandoned, but abandoned in a way which clearly indicates that either A, the baby is cared for, or B, the baby is placed in a, in a situation where someone is going to definitely find the baby, that's not Nasufi. That's not Allah Nasufi. So I will say, what drives the designation of Asufi is that we are concerned that this child came from either an illegitimate or forbidden union. And the way that's often manifest is a lack of care or concern for Chasachom, the, the abandoned baby. But when the baby is clearly cared for, the baby is clearly looked after, but abandoned nevertheless, that indicates that it's not a genealogical issue that's driving this, but rather there's some other issue, probably most notably a financial issue, that leads the parents to abandon the baby. Amra Meymar, high payer the sufri, yesh mishum asufi. So we'll say, what's payer the sufri? Rashi says over here, Rashi says, uh, Rashi says, So I'll say this was a this was a pit, a pit in which they would discard date pits, a pit in which they would discard date pits. So if you find a baby in there, that baby is in a Sufi, right? The channel by a river, where again a lot of people would be found in that area, no Asufi. Pashri, Yesh Bomishuma Sufi. So as I Pishra Rashi says is Makum Shipua Hanar Idev Sharshagim. A place where like the, the snow from the mountaintops melts into it, that's ultimately again a Sufi. Sidirish Sarabim. So as I so again, different areas. Sidirish Sarabim, if you find the baby on the sides of Rishusarabim, ain't bomishuma sufi. So as I remember again, what's the chap? Sidirish Sarabim is it's public enough that what? Someone is going to find the baby but not such dense pedestrian traffic that the baby is going to be trampled. On the other hand, right, on the other hand, Rishus HaRabim, Yeish Bamishim HaSufi. If you leave a baby, you find a baby in Rishus HaRabim, a baby abandoned in Rishus HaRabim, that is in HaSufi, right? Placing a baby in Rishus HaRabim is what? Placing the baby in mortal danger. So again, if there's such blatant disregard for the welfare of the baby, then ultimately that's indicative that it's in HaSufi. But Amar Rava, Rava says, Rava says, during years of famine, there is no status of a Sufi. Now, Rava says, what's the idea over here? What's the idea? During a famine, Rahman al Islam, it was, I don't know, common, but it wasn't foreign for a person to abandon their child, a person to abandon a baby. They could not, they could not support the baby, they could not feed the baby. So therefore, Rava says, there's no din of a Sufi by a famine. So the Gemara says, Hadurava Ahiya. What is what which which statement, which affirmation statement is Rava commenting on? If he means to say that during years of famine, even a baby abandoned in Rosh Hashanah is not an Asufi, that can't be. The Gemara says, So we'll say, I don't stand. The issue of leaving a baby in Rosh Hashanah will say, is you're placing the baby in mortal danger. What does it matter if it's a famine or it's not a famine? Rather, I'm talking about again, leaving a baby on the sides of Shurabim. That doesn't make sense. My area shnei avon, afilu below shnei avon. So we'll say, by Sidur Shurabim, even if it's not a famine, we said that that's not in a Sufi. Elo, ki itmar derava aha. Rather, I will say, Rava was commenting on the following statement. Don't have Yehuda Amarav. Don't have Yehuda Amarav. Don't have Yehuda Amarav. Kozman Shebeshuk. We'll say, listen to this. Let's say you find a baby in the marketplace. In the marketplace. As long as that baby is in the marketplace, Aviv v'imo ne'amonim alav. 
his parents are believed regarding him. Now, what does this mean? What does this mean? So take a look. Take a look at Rashi. Watch the following case. I'm walking in the marketplace. I find a baby in the marketplace. An Asufi. Right? I pick it up. Right after I pick it up, I just said, okay, Shabbat will put this baby in my way. That means I'm going to raise it as my own. What happens? Two people, man and woman, show up and say, I just want you to know, that's our kid. Right? Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to raising him. Right? That's our kid. So I'll say the halacha is, the parents are believed. The parents are believed. As long as the baby is still in the shuk, the parents are believed. So the Gemara said, Nesaf min ashok, once the baby is removed from the marketplace, then what? Ain ne'emanin alav. They are no longer believed regarding the baby. My time, what's the reason? Amrava ho'il v'yatsa alav shem asufi. So I will say why, because essentially when the baby is still in the marketplace, the baby doesn't yet have the identity of asufi. Once the baby is removed from the marketplace, so therefore before it has the concretized identity of Asufi, the parents are believed to come along and say, that's our kid, he's kosher. Fine. Once he's collected from the marketplace, once he's moved from the marketplace, then he, again, at that point, he has the concretized identity of Asufi, the parents are not believed to say, that's our kid. Vamarava says, if it's a time of famine, so as the Rav comes along to say that if it's a time of famine, even if the baby was taken from the shuk, nevertheless what? Nevertheless what? The parents are still believed to say, that's our kid. That's our kid. So say that's the qualification of Rava. Incredible. There are three people, there are three people who are believed as long as they provide their statement immediately. Who are the three people? Elohim, Asufi, Chaya is a midwife, and someone who exempts her friends. So Asufi case, that's what we just said. Right then in the case, a non-famine year, non-famine time, right? I find a baby abandoned in the marketplace. I pick up the baby. Parents come along and say, that's our kid. Shalom Aleichem. Haslacha. Right? Good luck. Right? And they leave. They are believed to say that's their kid, solidifying the baby's genealogical fitness. Fine. That's the case I was saying. But only, only if they come and identify themselves when? When the baby is still in the marketplace. As you will see, we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up a Mirat Hashem with the next two cases tomorrow. Osai Shkoyach. Incredible. Incredible game, Bob. Say that again. How do we know if a child was taken care of not a Because the Jewish mother has a It's true. It's automatically assumed. It's true. Beautiful. Because you still have Rov Pnuyos, you still have a Rov that he still cut arms, you still have that Rov people that she would have had a baby with our children. You still have that. But if he's I think it's more like this. I don't think that's what it is. I think that it's like if you have this, then you know that he's kosher. That's what this is. But that doesn't change the fact that in the Stam case, Rolf Shader Metzlaw. 
I think they're just independent. It's almost as if what it's saying is if you find a kid like this, he's not in, he's not in a Sufi. In other words, he's not in that parasha. It's removed from there. But still, when I look at a Sufi, I still have Rav Pusheh in that slot. I think that's the way it's understood.